lady was listening to my Life Over Coffee podcast, episode 204. I used the term in that podcast about being a redemptive boat rocker, meaning sometimes you just have to get into a dust-up with someone. And I used the term redemptive boat rocker because you don't want to be just a boat rocker for the sake of rocking boats. You're not a person looking for conflict. You're not a person who's looking to pick a fight. I'm not that way and never have been that way. I, I, If I had my way, I would resist all fights at all times and resist all conflict if I can, because that's just the way I am natively. But many years ago, I had to come to terms with this idea. And sometimes you just have to get in a conflict and there's no way around it. And that's why I say a redemptive boat rocker. Jesus was a redemptive boat rocker. He rocked the boat. He got into conflict, but he got into conflict for redemptive reasons, redemptive motivations, redemptive purposes. And so he was a redemptive boat rocker. I suppose you have three kinds of people. You have the boat rocker. Well, they'll probably do it with harshness and impatience and 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 other sins. And then you have the redemptive boat rocker. They are the person that will, they will do biblical confrontation with compassion and competence. And then you'll have the person who avoids. These are the avoiders. And this lady was convicted as she uh, said humbly and transparently that this is how she is. Well, I understand that because I am, I am similar And I want to be gospel-centered. And as I wrestle the gospel into my psyche, into my soul, it will affect you in this area of conflict. And you will want, you will be obedient. You may not want to, but you will be obedient ultimately when it comes to helping those within your sphere of influence. And so I thought it would be good to to write about that in this article. The title of the article is Hiding Behind Grace to Avoid the Hard Things. And if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, you can do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for this, this article, title, Hiding Behind Grace to Avoid the Hard Things. You can type hiding behind grace. You can type avoid the hard things. You can type a part of the title into our search box, and it'll come up for you, and you can read it. I have other articles embedded here, including the episode 204 from our Life Over Coffee podcast, Sticks, Stones, and Words Will Hurt You. This is the podcast that the lady was listening to, episode 204, Life Over Coffee. And you can listen to that if you wish. And as always, if you want to talk to us, you need some advice, you need some quick direction about a matter, please come to our website. We have free and private forums, and you can ask your questions. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here Your Daily Drive is the podcast where we put our articles in audio format. We have Your Daily Drive. If it's a Your Daily Drive uh, podcast, then there's an article that accompanies it. If it is a Life Over Coffee podcast, which I do one a week, I do one Life Over Coffee per week, then it has show notes with it, not a full article. It's the skeletal outline of the podcast, and so it's two different podcasts, but this is Your Daily Drive, and there is a full 2,000-plus word article that you can read. I want to share with you a term that, that you probably have heard, and if you haven't, you'll be quite familiar with it by the time that I'm done with this podcast. It's called Extending Grace. When you extend grace to someone, sometimes 
Extending grace may mean you are about to get into a conflict. It is a gracious thing when you are helping someone through whatever difficulty they may be in or bondage that may have captured them. And though you should never look for a fight, and I'm sure you don't, we don't want to go around picking fights, looking for fights. You should also not be looking for ways to avoid soul care when it is within your competency and your influence to help someone who is struggling. And so there are two ditches here that you can fall in. You can, you can be the fighter. You're always looking for a fight. You don't want to be that person Always got a critique, always ready to go with your arsenals, arsenal in hand. Or you could be the person who is always looking to avoid, and you will not do what you need to do when it is within your competency to do it, as well as you have influence, you have a relational bridge with that individual. Avoiding conflict is not extending grace. Extending grace will sometimes put you in conflict. Let me give you an illustration of this. When my son was a child, he had a large splinter in his big toe. It was too deep for me to get out with the tools and expertise that I possessed. Fortunately, I had a good friend who was a doctor and still is, by the way. He had the skills and the equipment for such a situation as a splinter in a toe. And so I called him and like Johnny on the spot, he was at our home in a flash and to my son's chagrin, my friend pulled out a sharp cutting tool and dug deep into my child's toe. It was way in there. It really was. And, and unfortunately I had exacerbated the situation because I didn't have the skill or the equipment, but I thought I could get it, but I couldn't. But my friend, my doctor friend, could. And after extracting the wood from my son's toe, he sprayed the toe with something that took away the pain. My son's screaming promptly subsided. A few weeks later, he got another splinter in his toe. He chose not to tell me about this one, but his sister spilled the beans. And so I asked my son, I asked him if he wanted me to call my doctor friend. And he quickly came back with, no. But here's my point. My doctor friend modeled grace in action to my son. I want you to hear this. It was a painful grace. It was a grace my son may never forget. And though it hurt him, it was the best thing that could have happened to him at that moment. Let's turn it all around. Replay the tape. Let's suppose Let's suppose that my doctor friend chose not to be Johnny on the spot. What if he was apathetic toward my son, or even worse, harshly told me that he did not want to help? Would that be grace? No, that's not grace at all. You see, grace is active, is kind, is other-centered, is designed to change a person or change a circumstance. That's what grace does. As far as God's grace, it changes. It transforms lives. You were raised from the dead by the power of the gospel, which came to you by God's grace. Among some of our evangelical friends, grace means something different from the possibility of seeing lives changed or transformed by the gospel. 
To them, grace can be a shield to hide behind as a way of avoiding responsibility. Don't be that way. Are you that way? It is a perverted form of niceness, but not grace at all. They're not extending grace by getting into the mess, getting into the conflict when they can and should. They are extending niceness. Let me give you an illustration of this. Biff married Mabel 17 years ago. Mabel is a critical woman. She has other problems too. And yes, Biff has his issues as well. And when Biff talked to his pastor about Mabel, the advice was to extend grace to her. His unwise counsel was code for being nice while not addressing the ongoing sin patterns in her life. And for whatever reason, the pastor did not want to help Mabel transform. He was more interested in not stirring up a hornet's nest. My doctor friend could have decided that he didn't want to hear my son scream by choosing not to inflict pain on him. That would not be grace at all. He would be extending ungrace. He would be extending unkindness to him. And my son's toe could have degenerated into an infection. Biff and Mabel need biblical counseling. Not twisted grace that avoids potential discomfort and conflict. Grace always associates with struggles and pain The most excruciating example of this kind of grace is the death of Christ, the door through which we experience God's grace. Without the grace of God bringing about the death of Christ, we would never experience transformation. The gospel is the most profound reason why we need to rethink how we define and administer grace to others. To avoid the problems of others is to mock the death of Christ. If Biff and his pastor allow Mabel to continue in her sin, they will be unwittingly admitting the death of Christ is not relevant to that situation. They would be okay with letting her spiral further into her sin than apply the gospel to her life. My doctor friend went to great lengths to learn how to become a physician. He spent many years and thousands of dollars learning the profession. His professors invested in his career as well as his parents. It would be odd for him not to use what others gave to him at such considerable cost. My illustration is analogous, though not comparable by any means, not by a long shot, to what was involved in the Trinity providing salvation for us. For my doctor to ignore my son in pain is abusing the gift given to my friend. It would confuse his parents. It would confuse his professors as they wonder in dismay why he was shunning the investment made by not caring for others. For Biff and his pastor to ignore the spiritual dysfunction in Biff's wife is abusing the gift that Christ gave them. Christ poured out his life to help people like Mabel Biff and his pastor have received this gift from the Lord. They are not extending grace. They are abusing grace. 
This is a case study in grace abuse, someone not, not willing to extend the grace in the face of potential conflict because they're apathetic, because they don't want to, because they are afraid. It is a mockery of the gospel. The title of this podcast is Hiding Behind Grace to Avoid the Hard Things. We don't want to use grace as a, as a shield. And when I talk about pain that it causes in other people's lives, I, I want you to make sure you hear what I mean and not upload something that I do not mean. I am not suggesting that you inflict pain on anyone, but I'm merely drawing an analogy between a medical procedure, what my doctor did, he inflicted pain, Oh, my son, in soul care. Christians do not inflict pain on anyone, though the discipleship process, when done well, can be painful to some. Grace can be painful to some, even though we're not afflicting it intentionally. We're not hurting people because that's what we want to do. But grace can be painful. Not only is grace costly, but it can be uncomfortable. And it's this truth is why some of us need to rethink how we think about it. Perhaps you have made it and you made grace into an automatopoeia word. Automatopoeia is a word that it sounds like what it is. Grace sounds like a nice word. And in one sense, it is nice. But for some Christians, they hollow out the power of grace Sometimes the administration of grace does not feel nice when applied. We need to separate what it can accomplish, a nice outcome, from how it may be administered, iron sharpening iron. It was the kindness or the grace of God that brought healing to my son's toe. To have a friend who was willing to come over to our home and to fix his toe is fantastic favor, fantastic grace from God. The Lord's grace brought healing, but the administration of it was excruciating, as noted by his screams. Sometimes extending grace can come in discomfitting packages, which is not out of line with the biblical record. How do you extend grace? Here's a hokey slogan that you have probably heard. No pain, no gain. And I realize it is, it is hokey, but it's also a biblical concept. What may be evil can also be used or be for your good. Using sin sinlessly is not out of the realm of possibility with the Lord. The implication of the gospel informs us of this, the sinless pain the father placed on the son opened the door for our transformation the point being there will be times when suffering can be a means of grace to the struggling soul in genesis 50 sinful men brought hardship to joseph so that a nation could experience grace could experience god's favor it was a painful grace the sinless Lord brought death to his son, Jesus Christ, so you and I could receive grace. 
my friend brought pain into my son's life so he could experience healing grace. How do you think about the grace of God? How do you administer it? Do you hide behind a pretense of dignity and civility that permits you to avoid hard things? Grace has broad borders for the person who has a comprehensive definition of it. Allowing my son to continue in pain has nothing to do with grace. Allowing Mabel to remain in her sin has nothing to do with grace either. It takes grace to bring the discomfort And it takes grace to be changed by the gospel. My friend administered the grace of God in his life by being obedient to doing the right thing. My son experienced the grace of God from my doctor friend. And through that grace, he found healing. There was grace all around. But it was contingent on my friend stepping up to the plate. Mabel is not experiencing the grace of God from her husband, from her pastor, or from the Lord. Biff and the pastor are not cooperating with the Lord by helping a sister who is struggling in her sanctification. They have made twisted grace mean something that it should not. They could even feel good about themselves thinking that they are doing the right thing, but they are not. They are hiding God's grace from Mabel. If she changes, it will have to be through other means. If my friend had decided to respond like Biff and the pastor, we would have had to find another way through which my son could experience God's gracious healing power. Are there people in your life you'd rather not get into their messes? I'm talking about people with whom you have context and relationship. You draw a circle around these relationships, and there are a group of them that are inside the circle, and there are a group of them who are not. The group that is inside the circle, these are the people that you can help. I'm not talking about folks outside the circle that you don't have a connection with. You don't have a relational bridge with these people. Maybe you want to try to build one so that you can connect with them, build a relationship with the goal of being a redemptive boat rocker, being a, with the goal of, of being part of their transformation. But you're not going to have a connection with everybody, and you're not going to be able to speak into their lives. But I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people that you have a context, meaning that you have, you have several different venues, whether it's the church meeting and whatever meetings they may be, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, other meetings of the church, picnics and small group. Churches have all sorts of meetings, but you have a lot of context with these people and you have a relationship because you, you spent time investing in that building that relational bridge. Are there people in your life you'd rather not get into their messes? Now, I would not recommend that you approach Sister Marge next Sunday to talk to her about her sour attitude if you don't have a relationship with her. You cannot get in everybody's business, and you're not called to care for everyone. And so again, I'm talking about those with whom God has given you a relationship, and you are aware of things in their lives that need to change, and you should invest in their sanctification. Perhaps it's your spouse. And I'm talking to you wives as well. And I know some people not only have a, an interpretation of twisted grace that they use it as a shield to hide behind, 
Many Christians, as I have learned over and over again, have a twisted interpretation of submission as well. The wives have been trained or they have taken that on for themselves to believe that that submission doesn't mean discipling your husband. If your husband is caught in a trap, you who are spiritual, and there's no qualification on that other than you who are spiritual, you who have the spirit, it doesn't matter if you are his wife it doesn't matter if, if you are his child, if you are a daughter, you speak to your, husband, to your father, maybe as someone in your small group. There can be an alluring temptation to flee from our biblical responsibilities of one anothering. We can even go so far as to redefine our words to hide behind God's word. We have spiritualized our hiding I wonder how the Lord thinks about such matters as this. I know how I would have thought about my friend, my doctor friend, if he had told me that he wanted to extend grace, which meant not to get into my son's business. If God has spoken to you through this podcast, then my appeal to you is to start changing. And the place where you want to begin is in your thoughts, in your thought life. You want to begin taking thoughts captive, defeating lies, obstructions, fortresses, strongholds that hinder you for being used in a, in a more comprehensive way in God's world. And so if God is speaking to you right now, the place that I want you to dial in on is in your thought life, inside your head. And I want you to write down what you're thinking. Write it down on a piece of paper. Type it out on a, a document on your computer. Here are some questions for you to ponder. What do you think are some of the motives that tempt you not to help another person who is struggling with sin? Caveat, a person you have context and relationship with. But what do you think are some of the motives that tempt you not to help another person who is struggling with sin? This question here is critical. It's essential. And it's the only one that you need to answer. If you can identify your motivations that hinder you from getting into a person's business when you can and should, what is it? What is the temptation that you are submitting yourself to? Now, once you answer it, you can begin praying for what and how you need to change so you can enjoy a fuller experience of grace there are typically two types of people who misuse, misuse grace by redefining it. The first type are recovering legalists. Now, they could be legalists because they have been in some religious structure of legalism for a portion of their lives, or they could just be legalists like the rest of us. We were born in Adam, so we were born legalists. We all are recovering legalists no matter what the shaping influences were, whether they were Adamic or whether they were familial or whether they were religious, but a recovering legalist. I have discipled many folks who were formerly ensconced in legalism. The legalistic culture is known for being harsh in their judgments of others, which creates a disdain and contrary interpretation for anything that seems critical. And so a recovering legalist Anything that seems critical to them, it really just it's a tri has a triggering effect. 
because the only culture that they have known is a harsh, unkind, critical, judgmental, demerit-giving system for anything that you may do wrong. And so when someone critiques them, that is what they hear. The recovering legalist hates any critique, no matter how loving the person gave it. They have a small interpretive grid for what was meant by the criticism. They can only hear it one way. It only makes one sound. It only feels one way, and there is no grace about it at all. They would not see your correction as a gracious thing because they never experienced it as such. Alternatively, if they are called to critique others, the recovering legalist, they will shrink back from their biblical obligation unless the legalist does it harshly, which is the only method they know. It takes many years for a recovering legalist to come to a biblical understanding of grace. Because of their former associations and disdain for criticism, they usually distort grace in the way that I have been describing. The other people group that struggle with this matter of of this powerful grace that I am talking about here is the insecure The biblical term for this person is fear of man. The opinions of other people control them. As you can imagine, it is hard for this individual to bring critique to anyone's life, especially from those whom he or she craves approval or fears their rejection, or they don't want retaliation of any sort. This would be my temptation. This is why I said earlier, I'm not a fighter, never have been, and I've had to come to terms with the gospel and what it means in this area, and I can't hide, I can't use grace as a shield to hide behind. When it's time to speak up, I need to speak up. It is challenging to do the hard thing for a person you perceive may reject you or retaliate against you. The fear of potential rejection is governing the thoughts of the heart. And so two people groups that will have a hard time with this are the legalist and the insecure. A Christian who is unwilling to extend discomforting grace. And so I've added another word here. Not just extending grace, but extending discomforting grace. And let me go back to my caveat that I gave you earlier. I am not talking about being harsh or unkind or painful from a sinful, heart-motivated attitude at all. If you don't have compassion for the person that you are uh, saying hard things to, then you should not say hard things to them. And so you don't want to fall into the ditch of harshness as you're communicating to others, and you don't want to fall into the ditch of, of being afraid and shying away from extending discomforting grace because sometimes the grace of God will stir you up in an uncomfortable way. He may not be aware of the lie that he's living when you talk to him or when you talk to her. Perhaps he does not have the clarity he needs to understand the problem or how he needs to change. A podcast like this could be revolutionizing for such a person who has this skewed view of grace. The Spirit of God could illuminate the mind. The Spirit of God could help you see the errors of your ways. If God does open his eye, open your eyes and you, you can transform, you cannot continue living in deception, in the deception of twisted grace. And that's what I pray that God would do for you. If God is calling attention to something in your life through this podcast, I appeal to you to talk to a close friend. 
Let your close friend know what God has shown you. Share your fears and talk through how your concerns have have hindered you from bringing better soul care to others. Don't let your friends continue to walk around with spiritual splinters in their toes. That would be biblical hatred, not kindness. That's biblical hatred, not grace. Extend a new kind of grace to them. Let them experience God's transforming, powerful grace through your care, even though it makes you both uncomfortable in the moment. Perhaps they will experience God's grace through gospel transformation because you love them enough to extend transformative grace rather than just being known as a nice guy. The title of the podcast is Hiding Behind Grace to Avoid the Hard Things. You don't want to avoid the hard things when you have a relationship in front of you and you have built into that relationship and you have the context to speak into it. You're not a person looking for a fight, but you're not a person who's willing to run either when you have the opportunity to speak into their lives. If you want to talk about this podcast or anything else, any of the other content that we produce uh, on through this ministry, on this website, uh, then please come to our website and ask your questions. You can jump on our forums. You can flatten out your story if you want. You don't have to share persons, places, and things. You can just flatten it out to where we understand, and we would be glad to extend grace to you. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.